Welcome to the Inside Out Money Podcast. Can't even recognize this place. Too many pieces of our past mistakes. Hi, I'm Maggie, and I believe real change starts from the inside out. So let's work together to improve our money and our lives from the inside out. We will explore all things money and our relationship with it. Join me each week with a rotating set of co-hosts, friends, and interviews. Let's jump in. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maggie. What's going on? It's hot in Hotlanta. Speaking of it being hot in Hotlanta, I have a confession slash question. Okay. I know I've confessed to you before how long I sometimes leave Sally the starter on my Ooh. counter. Sally is the name, is your the name of your mother uh, starter. Mother my, starter of the sourdough starter. starter that you gave yeah, me. You you like handed over to me when you also gave me the knowledge of how to make sourdough bread, which thank you, by the way, that is like, that's the sort of thing that like generation generationally can be passed down from like your grandma and it won't be I don't have that story but I'll always be like well Andrew Knight taught me how to make sourdough bread can't wait for you to be telling that story in 50 years yeah and I butcher what everything you've taught me because you didn't teach me to leave the sourdough starter on the counter for this many days and not feed you have to keep feeding it but I was I, I, my mother-in-law's been in town all week I had high hopes of making sourdough but we were like so busy it never happened and I just but I was trying to get the starter going again it had been in the fridge for a while and then I just get like busy and and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's just one day. Oh, it's just been two days. And I just, I mean, it's been about 48 hours, but I think the temperature is not helping, right? It makes a big difference. Yeah. Yes. The, the warmer it is on your countertop, the faster it you need to feed it more, yeah. essentially. Yeah. It's getting funky. Yeah. You don't want it getting funky. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, right when we get off here, I'm going to go feed it. I'm going to, I'm going to take off the top layer of crust. What's it, what did you named it? Oh, I named it. Ooh, it was. It's like forgetting your child's name, by the way. It was something. Well, I remember your child's name, Sally. Um, it was something like it had the word yeast in it. It was like a play on word. Do- Dolores. 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 Yeah. I like the name Dolores because it's kind of like uh, speaking of grandmas, it's like a grandma name. Mm-hmm. Like I just think of it just sounds like it just I don't know. It's like Sally. Sally's the same. Yep. Sally and Dolores, right? Yeah. Yes. Anyways, I just was noticing things are a little out of out of whack and I gotta get I gotta get back on. I've been out of a I had to eat some regular bread over the past week and oh. a half. And it really like when you get used to eating I mean because I kinda like will bulk make sourdough and then freeze yeah. it and it thaws very nicely. Same. But which I learned from you also because there's a lot of work when you like got all that stuff going, you're like you gotta like knock a lot of it out at once and eating regular bread like store-bought like whole wheat store-bought bread I, I really was like oh my god this is really disgusting like it's just not like you just get used to something it's like if you get used to a fine wine which I'm not used to to be clear you probably drink something you know you probably drink a $10 bottle of wine and you're like oh I can't do this anymore it's you like know? it's like getting out of your Tesla and having to get in the Subaru exactly <laughs> except I'm kind of like I'm kind of like rekindling things with the Subaru we drove it a lot while my mother-in-law was in town and like we just had like when we've had extra people in the car and i was like you know she's not so bad she's so you'll definitely have to listen to morgan household's podcast this week because he talks all about it's all wealth relativity mm-hmm. i need to make that like a to-do list i've been so busy lately like i've been listening to any podcast i've been not reading as much and i really like there's a few podcasts and that's you one gotta of start them. his his, I know. Is, his is a must listen yeah and it you'd think it's a must listen for someone who also has a podcast <laughs> perhaps not nearly of the size of morgan household 
puzzles, but that is focused on the psychology of money. So I really, that should be my inside out money homework assignment each week is to listen to someone who's actually trained. He doesn't do it every week either. So Okay. Well, then that's easier homework also. It's like bi-weekly homework. Speaking of podcasts, I have been reading I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Mm. I'm about halfway through that. And I started watching the Netflix series because I had to buy Netflix a week ago to watch the Tour de France documentary that came out. So I've been enjoying that. I actually really like uh, Ramit's stuff. Uh, I'm pretty impressed. I think he's he has a good perspective on things. I'd say the only thing I'm in disagreement with him on is the the little stuff doesn't matter at all. Like he's mm-hmm. like, forget about the lattes. It doesn't matter. Well, he makes a lot of money to say that. I mean, he, yeah. he, he's like a high net worth individual. So you can say that when you make that much right. money. But yeah. I don't think the average person can say that all the yeah. time. I mean, you can't you can say whatever you want. I'm just saying I'm not sure that applies yeah. to the average person. But halfway through, I'm definitely liking it. I think he's, uh, yeah. it, it's really good. And then I, the Netflix documentary is also very good too. What's the Netflix documentary? The, the show, not the documentary. Oh, the show. show. Yeah, yeah. Show. I, that's yeah. what I was about to say. I love the show on Netflix. Yeah. Like, first off, it's like one of the first ever financial, are, are you aware of, I mean, there's like DIY no, it, shows, the gardening closest shows. thing is the Dave Ramsey show, but it's a radio okay. show. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's not done in the way, this is done in the style of like home makeover shows and. Correct. You know, it's yes. like a, I don't know how to just doc, not document, I don't know what's it called. Although it's interesting, you could turn the screen off and you'd get most of it, right? It, yeah, you, that's It's fair. the audio well, content. I don't know, that one, there's a couple people where like you're getting a lot from the bot. <laughs> that one couple who like almost stopped being on the show over how yeah. contentious their financial discussions were. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know if they were going to make it, but I ho- hopefully they did. And then that other lady who like is in like Hollywood, like in LA and or I don't know, somewhere. Oh yes, California. driving the Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, was like great. that. There was some visual. <laughs> there was some visual. Okay, good, good point. I, yeah, there's some I, visual. Yeah, it definitely adds versus the podcast format yeah. or radio show format. But I really enjoyed it. I think I put like some clips on Instagram where like he starts going off on financial planners. Yes. He starts talking about the multi-level marketing was a great. I'm in the middle of that episode right now, and I'm like, yeah, okay, this is good. He goes into he. I like him. He's like very much like tell it like it is. Yeah. But in a he's kind, but not too soft on people. Like he he yeah. he toes the line. I think pretty nicely actually. Yep. Yeah. All right, and then last thing before we jump into today's topic is I am really excited for your episode with Liz gets loaded on Dive with Zero. I'm excited for you to hear it, Andrew. I know we're recording this closer. I know you haven't gotten to hear it yet. I obviously had the conversation, so I've heard it. I, that book has changed. We'll see if forever changed me, but it 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 influenced me right away in some day to day financial decisions. It is giving me permission to spend more money. I'll, I'll, that's a quick, you know, summary of it. Yeah. But I, I encourage people to go back and listen to that episode. I really, I, I probably just need to get the book and read it because a lot of people are talking about it, and I'm, I guess I'm a little nervous about reading it because I'm worried it it may change me, change the perspective. That's funny. I don't think I know a decent amount about your financial situation. I don't think you should be nervous about reading it. I think you should be excited about reading it. But I know why. You, I know why you're saying you're nervous. You are literally the target market for it. You (laughs) sitting there with your little kid headphones on. Now, I'm not saying you should get rid of your little kid headphones. They're working for you. They get the job done. So you don't need to go blow some money on that. But I think there are are other things that I know I personally can be overly frugal about that actually start to... I think I'm I'm actually pretty good at like my moderation on things, but there are just some things where like I sometimes need permission to be told like it's okay to, you know, like you, you're enjoy your life, especially at this age. And so I am going to 
through a little bit of a uh, a good phase on feeling like I have permission from the author of Die with Zero to spend. Per- Bill Perkins is Bill his Perkins. name. So I feel like I have permission from Bill Ker- Perkins to spend the money that I have earned. Okay. I'm not I'm not planning to literally die with zero though. So well, there's something <laughs> in between good. that. <laughs> All right, we okay. ready to jump into yeah. today's topic? I'm excited for this topic. You kind of like dropped this casually in a previous discussion. I don't remember what you're discussing now. It was either it was pre-roll or post-roll of one of the episodes, I think. It was the recorded. foundations. It was the foundations of personal finance, right? Yeah. I think that yeah. one. I think we were talking maybe, I don't think it was, I don't think we talked about it in the episode, but maybe it was post-episode, uh, I think. Yeah. yeah, it might've been offline. Yeah, but you just casually dropped something about what you believe the three superpowers are. I was like, what do you mean that? That sounds like an episode, Andrew. I was like, they're superpowers. Like, tell me what they are. So I'll let you talk about it since it's your it's yeah. your concept. So so I I talk about the the three superpowers of personal finance as discipline, patience, and compound interest. Mm. Now some may think that I love you know, it. invisibility is really cool or time <laughs> travel. You know, time travel would be useful, right? You go back and you you buy all that Google and Facebook stock. Uh, I don't know. 15, I think time travel. Time travel is dangerous. Speaking of books, <laughs> I have read two. I love time travel books, and they're dangerous. Like, yeah, you can go buy. Some some stock, but you also like mess with reality in ways that never seem to end well in time travel books. You change but the trajectory. You you do. You you do. Oh, and speaking of time travel, I just watched the new Indiana Jones movie in theaters. And speaking of Die with Zero, I spent a lot of money to go to the movies with five people today. Probably like um, 150 bucks wow. between the movies and the food. And we even like went to the dollar store and got snacks first. Anyways, I'm trying to do more stuff like that. We, we saw Indiana Jones. There's a time travel component to it. It was really good. And it was cool to see Harrison Ford at this age and also back in his younger days because there were some there were some flashbacks. Anyways, cool. back back I don't know how we got time. It's my problem. You say time travel and I'm like, let me tell you a story. Let's time travel right, so, back to where we were before. So back to our back to back to the superpowers. Oh, so oh yeah, look, superpowers, right. Yeah. So if you look if you look at if if we look at discipline, patience, and compound interest, it's almost like a triangle. The if you put these these three together and you know, compound is interest isn't necessarily a behavior, but the the inputs of discipline and patience into compound interest create something really special. Right? Yeah. I was trying to think if it could be a three-legged stool, but to your point, maybe compound interest isn't the leg as much. I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's three superpowers. They're all yeah, needed. They're all they're all they're all needed. And so if we if we start with discipline, right? Discipline is if you look at the purely the definition, right? Discipline is the quality of being able to behave and work in a controlled way, which involves obeying particular rules or standards, especially when it comes to self-control. I think I pulled that off of Merriam-Webster. Yeah, sounds sounds very official. <laughs> so, so discipline has it's it's that ability to be consistent with the behaviors while trying to achieve typically a long-term goal. And as an endurance athlete, it kind of speaks directly to what I do every day. Yeah, right? you have amazing discipline. Yes. That is that is a there that is a, a trait of mine that no one will ever question is is my ability to to have a lot of discipline. I, 
I don't want to get us off track, but where do you think you get the ability to have a lot of discipline? Do you think you were just, is nature nurture? Like where'd it come from? I don't, I, that's, it's always a good question. I always kind of debate that nature versus nurture. I mean, it started pretty young for me because I, I think it, I've always been in endurance athlete, you know, endurance sports. So I started as a swimmer. I then went to be a runner and then ended up being a cyclist. And so within all three, they're all very grueling endurance sports, right? You, you have have to put in an incredible amount of time, effort, and work to to achieve results. And so that's, but it, it's probably a combination of nature and nurture, like most things. But, you know, as it, as it relates to personal finance, discipline applies to some of the key concepts. That if, you, if you break it down, it's almost like you take it up a level to the last discussion we had around personal, the foundations of personal finance. So living on less than you make, sticking to a budget and tracking your spending and investing on a consistent and regular basis. The common theme in all three of those is discipline. They're they're not easy to do. They're not easy to execute. And it takes discipline in order to do all three of those. And I would argue those those three are so critical. And so like the yeah. common thread is is the discipline. Yeah. I I think discipline is so keyed in to why we're calling this podcast Inside Out Money and the whole piece about the psychology of money and what we were talking about at the beginning with why I think we both like Morgan Housel's podcast and book so much is, you know, you you can, we can tell people all day long and it's very, very simple rules of how to do well financially. Like you said, live on less than you make, right? Stick to a budget, invest consistently. It's so much easier said than done, right? The mm-hmm. done part is you need discipline to actually do it. Yeah. And that's why I was even asking you like, what makes you, how did you get good at discipline? And I, I was thinking, you know, can you get better at discipline? Like I believe you can because I have a growth mindset. So I believe even if you suck at this now, you can get better at it over time. Yeah, I I think there's something as simple as I mean, a lot of it comes down to habits, right? So so habits uh, reinforce this. But I'll give you an example. I used to never be an early riser. I used to always work out in the afternoons after work, and I basically switched to being a morning person. And the way you the way you do that is you have to figure out the habits that allow you to do that. You know, my alarm going off at 5 a.m. every morning. I know I've got to be in bed like nine o'clock every night. Yeah. And so you've you've got to put the habits in place in order to get that consistency to to have the, you know, to build the discipline. Yeah. And I, I think you also, you know, taking a couple steps back, we're not going to get into this in today's episode, but I'm sure we will in other episodes to create habits and, and stick with things and have that discipline. You've got to have some motivation, right? So yeah. you were motivated by otherwise you were not getting time to work out in the evenings and you wanted to start training again and cycling more competitively. Yeah. You were motivated to go to bed, to get Motiv- up early. Right. And you Motivation get- is, a, is yeah. a huge piece. You had a why you were motivated. Yeah. And and financially, most people's motivate, well, everyone's financial motivation is different, right? Mm-hmm. It, your why is going to be different. It might be that you're stressed out at work and you want to retire early. It might be you want to spend more time with your kids. Might you, be just you, want just- to, you may just want financial security. Yeah. You, it doesn't feel good to be in debt, right? You just mm-hmm. want to live a happy, simple life, right? And so whatever it is, I do think, you know, we we will, I, I think we're, you know, talking about the the concept of there's these three quote superpowers that will help you get to financial freedom or improve your finances. But ultimately, you know, we're going to talk through each of these and it's easier to say them than it is to do them. So yeah. uh, the the doing is, is on you to, to look, you know, just look inside yourself and figure out like, you know, okay, I need to be more disciplined. Like what's stopping me from being more disciplined? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I be 
become more disciplined. I love this. This sounds silly, but like I love going to Google or chat GPT, which are often offer similar things when you go in and like type in something like, how do I become more disciplined? Like go read a book. There's tons of great books about creating strong habits. What's the really popular one? I'm uh, trying, I was trying to think about Atomic that Habits. One. It's got yeah, the, the right. you know, glitter on the front. Yep. Atomic Habits is a very popular book. And like, so go when you, when you need, if, if you know one of these things we're talking through is what you personally struggle with, like dig into that section, right? And go consume content that will inspire you to become more disciplined and will teach you what you need to do. We're not going to get into all of that in today's episode, but it, it's the action. You know, we don't have to save all the actions for the end of the discussion, but it's the action I would recommend to people if they're stuck on like, oh, I hear you say you're disciplined. I think you and I are both fairly disciplined. You more than me, Andrew. And I hope people who are struggling with this can, this gives you a little bit of a like, yeah. you know, motivation to. I think, I think stringing the, the motivation, the habits, the discipline, like all that just strings together really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I all right. So the oh, wait, next- can I say one other thing real quick? Sure. And you're going to hear me say this every time, delayed gratification. Having, the, you talked about self-control, but having the discipline to delay gratification, building that muscle and habit is mm. one of the best things you can do for yourself outside of just financial, right? A health piece. I mean, there's a bunch, bunch of pieces to it. Um, but I just, if, if there's the three superpowers, I'll come back with like, if I have to sum everything up in two words, it's always going to be delayed gratification because yeah. that, that just has so much power to it. You know, there's that old like marshmallow test. You can Google it if you never heard of that, but it's all about delayed gratification. You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, so it's this old research experiment that was put on at Stanford University with a bunch of kids. And basically they would offer, they used marshmallows with kids and they were offering them, you know, it's like, if, if you want to eat the marshmallow now, you can have it or you can wait 15 minutes and you can get two marshmallows. And they basically found that children who were able to wait longer for the preferred rewards tended to have better life outcomes as measured by SAT scores, educational mm-hmm. attainment, BMI, all sorts of other things. But basically showed if you can build the muscle of delayed gratitude, you either have it or you grow mm-hmm. it, right? And that's a growth mindset is back to the nature versus nurture. You might not be born with like magical, like one of my kids is really good at delaying gratification. Two of them are not as much. And you can teach the other two. One just naturally has it, but we can teach the other two all of the things that they get by delaying gratification. So even if you don't naturally have this, like understanding that that concept, I think can be really helpful. Okay. What's the second superpower? All right. Second superpower is patience. So the definition is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset, which is a very, it's a very dictionary-like definition. Yeah. But as it relates to personal finance, patience when it comes to your money is the exact opposite of get rich quick. I think people understand get rich quick more than they do the opposite, which is patience. Yeah. And so I like using that example. But I think when it comes to, to money and finances, everyone's looking for the shortcut. Everyone's looking for how can I do this faster? How can I get there quicker? Right. And you know, the, the, the rabbit and the turtle, right. Are, are the, are examples of you, you want to be the turtle here, right? You, you've yeah. got to, this takes time. It does not happen. It rarely happens overnight. Yes, right. To there's a small plen- percentage there, of people right, win the lottery. There are plenty of examples of, of the lottery and, and or the, build a company co- that company amazing. goes public. Yeah. Right. I mean, but, but those are, those are, are outliers. Mm-hmm. And and I think that people don't realize how much of an outlier those cases are. And so patience when it comes to money and especially the markets are 
are you you have to be slow and steady and in order to achieve that in order to not react you have to have patience yeah and and so that's why it's i i call it a superpower i think it's interesting i think of patience around careers and work also of and back to the get rich quick and like multi-level marketing which we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier you and that's why ramit ramit sethi in the netflix series was getting so fired up and like frustrated with this mm-hmm. one couple who the wife's kind of career plan was this multi-level marketing scheme, I think is mm-hmm. a fair word. And at one point she made a little bit of money from it. And that, you know, get that's how that's how those work. They get you in with a taste of it. It's like drugs, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. then they just want to sell you more and more. And you don't make more money. And she had actually shown that. It was kind of cool to see someone who like had done well. And then you start to like unpeel, you know, peel off the layers of the onion and you're like, well, you're not doing well anymore. It's not sustainable. The, that whole scheme around the car and like, well, I, I got to a point where I want a car, but all you won was a lease that you have to pay for it, and all this stuff. Yeah, that was insane. Um, yeah, it was, it was insane. When you really like peel back the layers of the onion, you're like, this sounds yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I often, I just harp a lot on like, you have to work hard. You have to have patience with your career and with your, the way you want to, the way you choose to make money, whether it's a job to you or a career or whatever you want to call it, you have to have patience. So I think about Andrew, you and I, I think had a pretty similar career trajectory in terms of, even if we, it'd be fun someday to go back and like, look at our, oh, we'll do it when we do our lifetime savings rate, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we should go back and like compare our social security, the growth of our salaries over time. I bet right. they're pretty similar. I'm only guessing yeah. just because I generally know about some of our, just the, the different jobs we had over yeah. the years. Probably some different stuff in the beginning, but over time, similar. But my point is we didn't make a lot of money right out of the gate, right? We slowly, right. we had our heads down. We were working hard. We were good at what we did. Mm-hmm. And we were in, you know, tangential, but slightly different career paths eventually. And we eventually continued to have, you know, additional successes. We were we were disciplined. We were patient. Mm-hmm. The, the career advancement came over time and it wasn't a get rich quick scheme, right? It took yeah. 20 years to get to the point where you are now. And it took 20 years to get to the point where I was. And then I left it right away. That's not true, but it took 15 years to get there. I did it for five years, then I left it. Mm-hmm. But I did, yeah, I just think of patience tied to hard work and your career and your job. And like, you, you got to have patience with, with your, I guess my point is with your financial trajectory, you've got to have patient yeah. in the market, but also with how you earn money. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't like hustle and, you, you know, push to make things happen faster if that's important to you. But you got to mix patience in there too, because things don't always happen at a fast speed or as fast as you might want it to happen. Agreed. As interesting in your your formal definition too, it was the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. And I, I even just a really quick like career comment. I'm curious if you would agree with this, but I think about how people, the people who succeeded over time versus the people who would get very frustrated that something wasn't happening fast enough for them career-wise, they'd get angry and upset. And that didn't didn't help the situation, right? The people who were more patient and a little bit, not quiet, but just like, I always say, keep keep your head down and work hard. Yeah. I think there's a, you you have to develop the skills to progress in your career and developing those skills takes some time. I'd say I was guilty of this in my my 20s where I thought that I could, I was developing those skills faster than maybe the company you actually were. That, yeah. than I actually yeah. was. That's and, fair. And, I agree. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, I don't I mean, think, I don't mean I agree with you. I mean, I could see the same thing in myself. Yeah. So I, I think that's, that is true. Yeah. All right. And then the last one. Oh, wait. Can I say delayed yeah. gratification again? Yeah. You can Sorry, say delayed I was just thinking it's like <laughs> the same thing of patience is delayed gratification. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, before you get to the last one, yeah. and I'm only going to do this because we have time, by the way. Patience, Andrew. <laughs> I'm holding up my broken drone. Yep. It got stuck in a hundred foot pine tree I in my saw. friend's yard while I was filming a party and a surprise party. I got a really cool shot of him driving down the road. Anyways, it was stuck in the tree and I was like, it's, there's no way to get it out. I did some research. I even talked to the fire department <laughs> because I'm disciplined and I will try. I'm, I'm patient in some ways, but yeah. I was patient in that myself and my friends believe that we'd have a storm and it would knock it out of the tree. And that happened within a week, took like six or seven days mm-hmm. and she fell out. She's broken because she fell out of a hundred foot pine tree. But I got the memory card off her. I was just thinking about patience because I was looking at, I'm like trying to fix her and she's kind of like having open heart surgery on my desk right now. I say she because her name's Droney and she's a female, but... It's been in the rice for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Drying out. I, I actually started to put it in rice and then I realized the rice was getting stuck in all of its little holes. And then I was like, that's a bad idea. So I just let it sit in the dehumidifier in a small room for a while. <laughs> but it's not even the water that damaged it. The electronics are working. The camera gimbal got hit pretty hard, I guess, when it fell or when it hit the tree who knows yeah. which one and it's totally it doesn't move and that's like the a core fu- it flies but the camera doesn't move so it's like half the drone works half the drone doesn't work yeah the part that actually results in a picture a successful video yeah. doesn't work if so, i just want to yeah. fly a, fly a drone around, you, yeah, you can practice I, you can actually, get kids practice flying you know what it's actually that's a good point because i may just care. scrap this i'm not i was debating like getting this one fixed versus buying a new one They're, they actually may be similarly they may cost similar amounts yeah but and i was like oh i'll have it for parts, but you're, it's a good point on practice. Like I can practice flying, practicing. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm getting us off topic on what's, what's the third superpower. It doesn't have anything to do with drones. Third superpower is compound interest. And so a really smart guy by the name of Albert Einstein said the following quote, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it, which I don't think I knew Albert Einstein brilliant. said that. There's a little debate about whether he, he, he said it or Actually not, but many, it. But many, many people, there are many online spots that, that quote him as the one who who coined that. And ultimately, it doesn't really matter. There's something to be gleaned from that phrase, regardless of who said it. So Right. And it's it's a very powerful, powerful statement. So are you going to give us like a formal definition? Definition of compound interest taken from Investopedia? Yes, Investopedia. Compound interest is the interest on savings calculated on both the initial principle and the accumulated interest from previous periods. So that's the compound part is initial principle plus accumulated interest. It's Correct. compounding. And compound interest is a little bit like magic. It's hard to understand how it's done, but the end result is always amazement. I feel like it's magical lately because I'm I'm pretty, I'm a unique type of fire early retiree person in that I don't really super nerd out on all the money, on all the, uh, on the all numbers, the technical, the, yeah, the, the numbers. I couldn't even think of the, the word finance, for numbers. The technical finances. Yeah. If that gives you a sense, I couldn't even come up with the word numbers. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. All, yeah. All the technical pieces of it. I generally know the math. I generally, you know, I did some rough calculations, but to me, I'm often like, I'm looking at my net worth and I see particularly how my 401k grows and it's my biggest single account perhaps. Yep. And it is like magic because sometimes I'm like, it just keeps getting bigger and I'm not even putting any, I've been putting money into it in the last year. And it's because it's on now the principal is so large and it's just, it's doing that magic of what happens. Right. It's it's the reverse magic of like what a mortgage looks like. Like you just keep paying interest. Exactly. That's not magic. That's depressing. And you're like, when am I ever going to pay this thing off? And so it's interesting you bring that up. So I love playing around with calculators, a compound interest calculator and a mortgage calculator. 
speculator oh. because they show you the, the exact opposite, right? Like you just pointed out. And so I love playing around with compound interest calculators because I actually have one I'll send you. I've got one in Excel, which is basically just two tabs, one for compound interest and one for mortgage. Did you make it yourself? Yep. Oh, I like it. I can't wait to see it. And so it's it's one through 50 on the rows and then it's one through 15 on the columns for the interest rate. And so that table, you play around with the numbers and it's incredible when you look at it over over time, what it what it can do. And so there's there's a couple rules that people use with compound interest. The first one is called the rule of 72. And it's it's pretty simple. So if you divide 72 by your rate of return, you can find out how long it will take your money to double. So basic example, right? If you have $100 that was earning a 10% return, it would grow to $200 in approximately seven years. So 72 divided by 10 equals 7.2. And so you can you can know that at a at a 10% return, which is aggressive for these days, you know your money can double in seven years. But give me another example of that real quick. So if you any 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 example, if you ha, if you have a thousand dollars and you're going to earn a 10% return, it will double in 7.2 years. Okay. And so people round it down to seven. So basically you will double your money in seven years with a 10% return. So the, that's, I mean, that's the power of compound interest, right? Putting nothing else in. Now, 10%, I would argue, is a is a more aggressive return Agre- yeah. that you can count on, right? So I like using what's called the rule of 240. Did which you make is, that up or did you? I made I made it up and I Googled it. I see a couple other people have talked about it, but you don't see a lot of people talking about the rule of 240. I, okay. I initially called it my rule of 30, and you'll understand why. But then I realized that it's actually called, referred to as the rule of 240. And so the rule of 30, Andrew's rule of 30 was that at an 8% return, you will 10x your money. So if you over- In 30 thir- years. In 30 years, okay. yes. So if you have $1,000 with an 8% return, in 30 years, you'll have $10,000. And your point is an 8% return is, is more reasonable. Is much more reasonable, right? So a I use- more 8- of a fair assumption. I use 8% in all of my modeling. And, and I think it's pretty typical yeah. right now is the forecasts are that that an eight percent return is is more realistic. Yeah, I think so, a lot of people that are using like six or seven percent are more like they're just kind of hedging their bets. Like I, I sometimes when I was playing around with numbers for retiring would use six or seven percent because I want to go to like worst case scenario, yeah, right? And you're being right. very like realistic with eight percent. Ten percent is being a little too generous. I agree. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Andrew's it, rule of thirty turned into my rule of thirty. So it makes the numbers really easy. So you can look at anything to say, hey, in thirty years I'm going to ten x my money. That goes for anything. And you can also look at it the other way to say a $1,000 spend today has an opportunity cost of $10,000 in 30 years. That $10,000 extra I spent on a car right out of school, which I think I spent like twice that maybe. But if I hadn't bought as nice of a car, new car perhaps, that would have turned into not quite 30 or I'm not there yet. 20, 20, 30, 40. Yeah, would be $100,000 for me in six years. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting about that thinking is Ramit Sethi in his book rips that thinking apart because he he he, Why? he, think, he, he thinks that it, it's it's way too conservative to think like that that it's you're not living you're not living life if you think like your every single thing is 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 you're multiplying that that as that an opportunity, opportunity cost, cost. Of, of thirty years right but I've I've always thought like I've always thought like that well I, 
I could see both sides of it. For example, I get it on, you know, everyone kind of for a long time, it was like the latte factor and everyone's yeah, like tearing right. apart a like $5 a day coffee, which by the way, you cannot get a $5 coffee anymore, anywhere. It's like an $8 coffee by the time I do what I want to it. Um, but anyways, I get the point. But to me, that it's like, weird. which did? Oh, by the time I do what I want with it. Sorry. Uh, I just mean like, you know, decaf, soy, right. they charge extra for every. I mean, they don't charge extra for decaf. But Double shot, broth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I get it. When I do order Skinny. a drink, it's a bougie drink. <laughs> so <laughs> it took me a minute. I was like, what sounded weird about that? But I, so I get the, I get the, like, I always, I, now it's more trendy to be like, don't knock my, you know, little choices, you know, don't yeah. judge people's spend. I get it. No one's judging your expenses. We're just, it's a trade off. We're saying, mm-hmm. like, look, what would you care more about? Like, if you, if you prioritize your, you know, five to $10 a day at a Starbucks or a local coffee shop habit, and that's a big priority to you, like, go for it. If that's what you want to spend your money on, I think a lot of people are just trying to educate you on the opportunity cost of that. And if you have other goals in life, and I'll give a good example, because I love your, your $10,000 example of, $10,000 invested today is $100,000 in 30 years at an 8%. I think about it with your 401k. So when you're 20 years old, right out of school, or let's call it 25, whatever you want, and you're putting $100,000 or sorry, $10,000 a year into your 401k, that's going to be, and you do that for the first five years, that's $500,000 in 30 years, right? And so let's say you just do that for 10 years. You're you're actually, you could be made if you max out, I've said this a number of times, you just max out your 401 k which is more than $10,000 a year. That's about half of what you could put into it in terms of the IRS's limits. But if you just do that for, if you max it out for just five years, you could never have to put anything in again if you do it when you're young enough because mm-hmm. of the power or the magic, as we've said, of compound interest. Yeah. And so I think it's, I think you can have, like, I get that people like Ramit kind of tear that apart a little bit. But I also, I said that before, I really like him and I love all of his shows, so I'm not knocking him in any mm-hmm. way. But he's saying that coming from a, a even greater level of privilege than you and I have, Andrew, Mm -hmm. and a a higher net worth than we have. Mm -hmm. And I think it's easy to say that when you're sitting on a lot, I think. Yeah. So the the numbers are fascinating when you you look at compound interest and and how powerful the math is on it. And so I always encourage people to play around with with a compound interest calculator to, to see not only what does initial investment look like, but most of the calculators have, well, what if you put in what if you started with $1,000 and then you put in an extra 100 every year, you know, just $100 every year? And then yeah. what does that do to, to the calculations? In the same way that you think about the mortgage and, you know, how much you're you're paying in interest over the lifetime of a mortgage, but then also what does an extra payment on the mortgage do? Yeah. And, and what, and how what many... does an extra 50 bucks a month do? Correct. Yeah. You know, it's a, I think I looked at it like a hundred, an extra $100 on a standard, on a $250,000 mortgage, an extra $100 a month month knocks nine years off of a, of a 30 year mortgage, right? That's it's, yeah. it's, it's and like crazy. hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars worth of interest sometimes. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love, I love playing around with them because understanding, understanding the numbers is, is important. Like this is where like some things of personal finance are, are very behavioral, right? And other things are, are very technical and, and very numbers driven. Like compound interest is all about the, the numbers, right? And we're talking about 30 years, right? You can play this forward even more. It's only 29 years. You know, if you go, if you want a 20x. Are you looking at your compound interest calculator right now? Yeah. So if you look at the, you know, we we're just talking, we were just talking about 30 years. If you play it even forward, if you go to 44 and a half years, it's 30x. Now, I mean, these are super long time yeah. time horizons, right? Like I've only been, you know, I'm only 46 years old, right? 
right? Like that's my whole life right there. Yeah. But I mean, that's the, the numbers, it, it, they escalate, right? But By, that's retirement age for most people. Yeah. So that's, I mean, 44.5 years is yeah. at uh, retirement. Is, if you started working in your early 20s, your 20, that's right. at retirement age, which on average is about 65. Right. So if, if you were, that's, that's a really good point. So if you start putting money in to your retirement account at 20, and that will be 30x what you put in, in, in 45 years. Now you have to follow the path. You have to be disciplined and patient in order to see that out and and to not pull, you know, pull money in and out of the market. You don't actively manage it, right? All of that. But if you if you follow the simple path and and you leave the money alone and, and you don't touch it for, for 45 years, you come back, you're gonna have a, a big pile of money. Yeah. Well, that's what I think is cool about the concept of these three superpowers. And just to bring it all full circle, we were talking at the very beginning about how compound interest is a little bit different than the other two because their behaviors, they all work together because when we were talking about like, how do you become more disciplined? One of the ways is you see the magic of compound interest. So you start mm -hmm. putting numbers into these, an Excel table like this. And, and again, there's a ton of these types of calculators online also, but you start to look at the numbers and some of the examples we've given, right? You start to have the motivation. Like you were like saying, you know, the, these numbers are fascinating. They're also motivating. You, yeah. you become motivated to then increase your discipline to start to realize, hey, if I, like, I love the more mortgage example because it's one that most people can relate to. But, you know, if I put an extra 50 bucks a month, I cut nine years off my mortgage that, or maybe you said a hundred in the example, whatever it is. Yeah. But the point is that's super motivating to people to say, Hey, I had a 30 year mortgage and I'm going to cut almost 33% of it off or almost 30% of it off and pay, you know, a whole house worth less in interest is super motivating. And that is what can give you the discipline to say, Oh, how can I find an extra hundred dollars? Mm -hmm. And will it, you know, back to the latte example is finding that hundred dollars a month, something that's going to have a nominal impact on my happiness day to day, which cutting out, you know, a coffee a few times a week could do for some people. For me, it did. Mm -hmm. I used to, when I knew you early on, Andrew, was back when I would drop by Starbucks every morning on my way to work. Mm -hmm. And then I got to the point, and that was in my early 20s when I was like, you know, living high on the hog or however they say it. And <laughs> I just didn't, you know, I wasn't worried. Yeah. I don't know. I just did whatever I want. I didn't really, I wasn't thinking about the future financially. I'll put right. it that way in any serious way. And I think if someone had told me at the time, hey, do you know if you just stopped doing that? I just kind of had like various frugal tendencies and started to pull back some of those habits for various reasons over the years. But I don't think I was as educated on just the trade-offs of my decisions financially. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just our goal is to educate people, let you all make your own decisions. That's why it's called personal finance. But I hope and I think the the concept of talking through the idea of three superpowers like this is motivating to people to think about how you yourself can leverage more discipline, more patience, and more compound interest to improve your finances. That's a good wrap up. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys for listening. We know your time is limited and valuable. We appreciate you spending some of it with us. We hope spending time with us like this helps your discipline. I don't know how it will help your patience, perhaps just reminding <laughs> you to be patient. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we always appreciate it when you leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate it. We also encourage you to share this episode with a friend or family member to encourage ongoing discussions about money. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have thoughts or questions, we'd love to hear from you and you can leave a voicemail or text us at 404-981-3370 or hit us up on Instagram. Okay. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Maggie. Happy superpowering, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.